You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. I'm Ryan Myers, and this is your Sci-Fi 5. Five minutes of science fiction history for March 8th. And today is the day, in 1977, that Marvel first shipped issue number one, the July issue, of its comic book adaptation of a little movie called Star Wars. Wait, the July issue shipped in March? Yes, and to make it more confusing, it wasn't to be sold to the public until April. Adapted by longtime Marvel Comics writer Roy Thomas, co-creator of such characters as Wolverine and Iron Fist, the first issue introduces us to Luke Skywalker and his life on Tatooine, as well as Princess Leia's attempts to escape Darth Vader's Imperial Star Destroyer. Since work on the comic predated the final cut of the film, scenes such as Biggs telling Luke that he was joining the Rebellion and Luke's aspirational daydreaming being mocked by his friends Cammy and Fixer were still part of the story. Those scenes were actually filmed and were later faithfully adapted in a national public radio adaptation of Star Wars, which we'll discuss another time. But Cammy and Fixer didn't get an on-screen appearance until The Book of Boba Fett. Suffice it to say, there are some significant differences between Star Wars, as we saw it in theaters, and Star Wars in four-color process printing. But while Thomas was scripting the books, venerable comic artist Howard Chaikin was handling pencils and inks, and he had insider knowledge having been hired by Lucasfilm to draw the first advanced poster art for the movie for the 1976 San Diego Comic-Con. It's that poster art that Chaikin had in mind when drawing the iconic cover of the first issue, though the poster art and the Marvel cover art have some distinct differences. With colorist Marie Severin taking her cues from Chaikin's 1976 poster art, every lightsaber in the comics was bright red. After all, these were laser swords, and lasers in comics were almost always red. That might make you think that there wasn't much coordination between Marvel and Lucas, but in fact, it was quite the opposite. Roy Thomas, the Star Wars comics' first writer, was friendly with George Lucas, and almost two years before the movie's premiere, got a visit from original Star Wars publicity guru Charles Lippincott about Marvel handling a comics adaptation. Since Lucas had personally retained all ancillary merchandising rights to Star Wars, a movie that 20th Century Fox wasn't entirely sure would make a buck, the money from licensing comic book rights would go into George's pockets, sort of like the money from all those action figures. As such, Marvel got to ogle the movie's production artwork earlier than most of us did. The fact that Thomas, who had succeeded Stan Lee as Marvel editor-in-chief, was personally writing the Star Wars comic speaks to how important this title was to Marvel, and it's often credited for being a huge factor in saving Marvel from its mid-70s financial slump. The first issue only gets you up to Luke's run-in with the Sand People, and then there are five issues after that. Thomas always planned on the movie's story being told in six issues, and then... That's when Marvel's Star Wars comic became the first non-movie fiction in the Star Wars universe, even predating Splinter of the Mind's Eye. Thomas handed off the Star Wars writing duties to Archie Goodwin, after spending four post-movie issues setting up a Magnificent Seven-style mission for Han and Chewie requiring them to recruit a whole new crew, including Jackson, a large green biped rabbit, a droid named Effie, a proxy for Luke going by the name The Starkiller Kid, and Don Juan Quixote, spelled a bit differently than Miguel de Cervantes spelled it, 
an old man with a lightsaber who believed he was a Jedi but actually had a tragic past and assumed this new identity to escape from it. Marvel's non-movie Star Wars characters and their adventures, even before Disney moved much of the pre-2012 Star Wars fiction into the Legends category, were often considered non-canon by so-called serious fans. But that didn't stop Jackson from finally getting his own action figure in 2021. And since Disney now owns both Lucasfilm and Marvel, well, you never know. Keep your eyes peeled for walking green rabbits in spacesuits. This has been 5 Minutes of Science Fiction History, your daily Sci-Fi 5, for March 8th. Sci-Fi 5 is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. This is a Roddenberry Podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.